Well, hello, and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. Clarity is our one-year experience of uh, seeking to see Jesus more clearly. And uh, for today's podcast, we're going to be joined by Matt Newman. And uh, during this season of COVID-19 social distancing, we're doing this podcast recording via a phone call. And so um, you'll notice the audio quality is a little lower than usual, uh, but hopefully it's still clear and helpful. So uh, let's get going. So let me introduce you to those who are listening. So this is Matt Newman. Um, Matt, what is your title and role here at Fellowship? Oh, man, I do all things uh, that take a six foot eight person and above. Hmm. Um, what I'm are the pastoral responsibilities that are uniquely six foot eight? There are many. There are many. A lot of, uh, a lot of hugs and affection and light bulb changing and just lifting stuff. Uh, but then in the other time, I am a part of uh, helping lead the Mosaic congregation in a teaching and vision and leadership and discipleship capacity. So I'm uh, helping lead Mosaic. And uh, you also have the high privilege of being the person who recruited, hired, and trained me. So that's, you know, that's a I mean, right? It's a big like, deal. Right out of the gate, fresh. Still in college, hired Nick Rowland to be my student worship leader. And then just to top it off, he gets married and him and Cassie move into our basement. For, I know, right? What, what, what was it, six months? I don't remember. Yeah, it was several months. We were, yeah, I don't remember how long it was exactly, but it was a sweet season. I can tell you this when, um, when I was graduating college or when I was, I was going into my senior year of college and I was doing the career looking thing. Um, the, really the deciding factor in taking the job that I did was looking, I really was thinking, you know, money come, money comes and goes different roles, look different, different things I could have weighed mm-hmm. on. But the deciding factor for me was who I wanted to lead me. Um, and mm-hmm. so I, I took the job I did cause I wanted to follow Matt Newman. And so, uh, that wow. is, that was a, a very important season for me and you taught me how mm-hmm. to be a pastor. So I'm really, really thankful for that season for sure. And a high honor, a so, high honor. So I am yeah. uh, excited to to get some pastoral wisdom from you today. We are come on, man, in yeah. our in our clarity series, and um, we we've looked at this passage where Jesus it ha- resurrected. Jesus is going and showing himself, and um, the story starts spreading. And one of the things I love about our gospels are they're really honest, and so. Um, you might expect that the news of resurrected Jesus is spreading and everybody's just ecstatic and flipping out. And instead we find one of his own apostles, one of his own disciples, one of the 12, Thomas, goes, I don't believe it. I, there's no way. I, I will believe it when I can put my hands in the, in my, my, I can touch the nail-pierced hands and touch his side. Um, and Jesus shows up and meets him in his doubt and says, come here, Thomas, come come see. And and Thomas bows down and says, my Lord and my God. And I know for so many people, this is, for me, this is a refreshing passage because I, I deal with doubt. And uh, and it's encouraging for me to know that, that people like Thomas, one of the people who walked with Jesus for three years, dealt with doubt. And I know doubt is a normal experience of everyone who's following Jesus. So Matt, I uh, just wanted to kind of ask you pastorally, like when, when you deal with doubt or when the people you're leading deal with doubt, how do you invite us to walk well with our doubt? Good question. And uh, very vulnerable of you, Nick, to share that you struggle. And boy, I feel like, uh, (laughs) I feel like when I look at my own life, it is, it's 
seems like a, a rinse and repeat cycle of, of my own struggles with doubt, both like doubting uh, not just myself and who God made me to be and what I'm good at, but, uh, you know, it feels like it should be embarrassing, but I think it's really an attempt at just truth and vulnerability is how often I go back to the place of, do I buy this whole faith thing? Mm -hmm. <laughs> do I buy this whole uh, God who created the world thing? Do I buy this whole, you know, just Jesus deal? Um, and, and that's, it's consistent, sometimes scary how consistent it is. Um, and just that narrative running through my mind. And, and as I, struggle with sin in my life and I struggle with relationships in my life and struggle with just everything that everybody struggles with. Uh, doubt is just, it's a thread that, that, that I just think Satan uses to erode our faith and erode um, our identity. So that's a big part of my story, part of my CR step study introduction. Uh, so it, it is, it is who I am for sure as well. Yeah. Um, so the question, Nick is, is, is where do I go? What do I do? Yeah, like like how do we um if if as you've said so well, like doubt is a real uh experience and struggle for every person in faith. Um I know Alistair McGrath, one theologian, he started out as a biologist research and now he's a theologian. Um he said in biology, all of life is the struggle against bacteria and disease. In faith, all of life is the struggle against doubt. Um, and so he kind of normalizes it and just says, yep, doubt's going to be a part of it. So given that reality, how do we walk yeah, well yeah. through doubt? How do, how, how do we be faithful even when we're doubting? Yeah, yeah, that's good. Um, you know, there is a tool that Mosaic has been using for years now. Um, Nick, I think back when you and I were on the student team, we were using the identity to action chart. Yep. Um, and if you've never heard of the identity to action chart, it's, it's just basically based off four questions. It's, uh, who is God? The doctrine question. What has he done? The gospel question. Who am I? That's an identity question. And then what do I do uh, is the, the practice or the action um, question. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, those questions, like they can be on paper, very methodical. And what we tend to do often is we live in the right to left. So we look at our actions or our feelings or how I'm doing in the moment, you know, take the quarantine mode of like this lazy struggle, fearful, hopeless, what's tomorrow going to bring? Am I going to get sick? Am I going to lose my job? Is everything going to fall apart? And that has a way of like infiltrating our doubt and our identity and, and our struggle. And that goes all the way up to um, if the gospel is supposed to be hope for the hopeless, all of a sudden I just feel hopeless Then surely God. Uh, and his promises aren't true or don't apply to me. And, and mm -hmm. so it's amazing how slippery that slope is. I think that that's a doubt slippery slope. Um, you know, and so, you know, and I'll, I'll give, a, I'll give an, a, a metaphor real quick. You know, every time that I'm struggling with doubt, I don't take out a chart and start working the chart <laughs> and writing in all the answers. And, right. um, but my example would be, you know, you lovingly said earlier that I'm six foot eight. And so I, I play basketball and uh, any good basketball coach is going to teach somebody how to shoot a jump shot. Um, and there's actually so many little mechanical things from where you're pointing your toes to your knee over your toe, your elbow in a high arched follow through where your elbow is above your eye and your, your wrist is bent in a certain way. But you practice those things to the point that when you're in a game, you just catch and shoot. 
And so yeah. those things become instinctual. And, and, and so one of the things in my struggle with doubt um, has been able to almost in a spiritual instinct kind of way to, to name it and say, I'm struggling with doubt. And I can see how my feelings are beginning to drive my theology. But mm. it, really what I'm doing is, is I'm taking those four questions that are intended to begin with God and end with feelings so that God is driving my feelings. And I'm flipping the narrative and all of a sudden my struggle and my doubt is becoming my identity statement and it's becoming what I think and believe about God. And so, so what the spiritual instinct after just kind of years of, of working that system is what is the catalytic thing to flip it back to the way that God intended and essentially start with who is God and then to move to, and what has he done for me on my behalf because he loves me. And what does that make me in my identity? And therefore, how should I be responding? Um, and I think that one moment, that like that 20 seconds of this is going to get worse or uh, I'm going to change my emotional, physical, spiritual in the moment trajectory is, is where do I allow my mind go? Um, and and just, just to be honest, there's just a few scriptures. Um, that I've just tried to really get stuck in my, the, the, the teeth of my soul. Um, and, and when I hit that point of, I can feel the overwhelming doubt kick in. There's just a few spiritual disciplines that I've returned to. Um, and you know, some of the, some of the verses, there's a lot of them, but, but some of them that I found myself going to a lot is, um, John 15 says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. Mm-hmm. And just that saying of God chose me. He chose me, even though I'm a knucklehead and a mess up and, and every day will prove that again. He chose me. And somehow that has, has helped shake me back to uh, God as a starting point rather than my doubt as a starting point. Um, another one that I've been meditating on a lot from Psalms 40 is um, I am afflicted and needy. The Lord thinks of me um, and linking my heart to that promise. Wow, God is thinking of me right now. Um, so that's been powerful and meaningful. Um, Lamentations 3, this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Uh, His mercies are new every morning. I I feel like every morning I wake up and I say that, and the reminder is not only are his mercies new, but the reason they're new is because I need his mercies. And and just there's a confession piece there that that fights against the doubt. so those would be a couple of verses, Nick. And then th- there's also just, I'll call it maybe a theological discipline. Um, when I am struggling with my thoughts and my feelings about God, when I am going like, I don't know if I even believe this Jesus thing. Um, my, my radar in my mind, and, and I can tell that I'm drifting when I start to like almost daydream. I even have a word for it. You'll laugh at me. Uh, it's Montana. And up until this last summer, I've, I've never even been to Montana, but it would be, it'd be this moment where I'd start to go, I don't know if I believe this church thing. I don't know if I believe this Jesus thing. I don't even know if I believe, like, I just want to hop in my car and drive to where there's no problem. And essentially, I'm, I'm choosing isolation. I just want to isolate myself from the problems of the world. That's um, the Florida beach for me. That's where, that's, that's where I daydreamed yeah. run away to. Yes, yes. Your Florida beach is my Montana. And, and what I have to do then is I have to go, honestly, I always go back to creation. And so I start with that question and I say, 
do I believe that God created the world? And I literally sit in it. I do. I look around right now. I'm on my back porch. I'm looking and I'm seeing the budding trees and I'm seeing the pollen fall down and I can feel it in my sinuses and I can hear the birds. And I go, I don't think that that just one day the right molecules came together and kablawi, this is what we have. I believe God created this. And then I go, do I believe God sent his son? I do. I believe that Jesus is real. He's real as a physical human being, and he's also real as a divine uh, sent by God on my behalf. Like the message says, he moved into my neighborhood because I needed it because of my sins. Uh, do I believe that he died on the cross? You know, is Easter a celebration of something real? I do. I believe it. And essentially what I'm doing is I'm asking those foundational questions. Who is God? What has he done? Who am I as a sinner, but also chosen by God? And if I believe all those things, do I believe that when I give my heart and my life to him, that it's actually going to end up better? And that's been the, that's been the, promises that the past has said is is when I do that I'm actually happier I'm filled with more joy and I think that what I'm doing is I'm just reestablishing I and you're, you're the theologian amongst us it, it's a systematic theology I'm going back to the system of belief of of just what I think what happened with Thomas isn't it I mean in his doubt where did Jesus take him come to me Mm-hmm. Start again with me. Touch my side. Touch my hands, uh, and let me be the foundation of your return back to me. Um, and so again, it's you know, it's the jump shot that's a million pieces that really, after a lot of a lot of very careful, you know, adjustments and practices, become to this point of I struggle with doubt. Probably the same, but I also recover. Um, smoother is that the right word yeah I, no, I recover, I, I, you know it's not necessarily quickly i just i think i'm more attuned to when i'm feeling it, it, it quicker mm-hmm. uh, and 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 therefore my response to it is smoother and, and therefore my mind is triggered back to just uh god's god's purpose and plan and his nearness and his his thinking of me and his, his loving me um more accurately that's so helpful and so good. You know, as, as I was thinking through what you were saying, I mean, you have such a gift for analogies. And one of the things I love about the jump shot metaphor is you you practice the jump shot in the safety and comfort of the practice gym so mm-hmm. that you know the routine whenever mm-hmm. you're in the heat of the game. And I think that gives a lot of purpose to our devotional life. Like when we're yeah. reading the scriptures, when we're praying, when we're not in the crisis of doubt, we're learning Good. those rhythms of letting Scripture, of letting God shape the way we think, so that that becomes a normal rhythm when crisis, when doubt hits. So I love that. Yeah. I also, um, I, I love just that you're you're pointing out that that Thomas brought his doubt to Jesus, and uh, you know similarly, like medically, if we have a medical symptom. Um, the worst thing we can do is say, I don't want to talk to a doctor. I don't want to get help because I don't want to find out how bad it is. Um, right. what right. we need to do with yeah. doubt is take it to the Lord, like let him diagnose yeah. it, let him, yeah. let him walk us through it. So, um, I found that so helpful. Thanks for sharing those scriptures as well. By the way, we're going to put those scriptures in the notes of this podcast. Yeah. So if you want to find those references as you're listening along, um, you'll see that. So Matt, this has Good. been so helpful. You have any just kind of final concluding thoughts to share? 
Man, uh, he, yeah, Nick, you expounded even the metaphor more. My my high school coach used to yell at me, Newman, if you're shooting at nothing, you're going to hit it every time. <laughs> uh, and, and just the reality that the answers lie within the Lord, re- returning our heart and our soul and our mind to the Lord. Uh, and that, I, you know, I read in Romans 5 this morning that, that hardship produces endurance and endurance produces proven character and proven character produces hope. Uh, and so, boy, that's a different way to think of doubt, isn't it? That, yeah. that God would actually allow and use doubt to emphasize that we have need. And we can take that need to the stuff of the earth, or we can return that need to the need meter. And, mm-hmm. and, and Jesus meets our needs. Um, and, and he is the one who fills our cups and, and satisfies our soul. So just Jesus is the answer. You know, it seems so simple, but uh, but again and again, that's been the proof of of, of who and what Jesus is. That's good. As a mentor, both of ours, Gary Oliver says, in every situation, uh, God has a way he wants to grow us. Um, sure. Always look for that opportunity to grow in, in faith. So that's that's a good, good. word. Man, Matt, good. thanks for thanks for speaking into this. Thanks for the guidance. Um, and uh, thank you for listening to the Clarity Podcast as we seek to get a, a better, clearer picture of Jesus this year. Um, we pray that you are well. And, uh, and experiencing the joy of the Lord even in the midst of uh, this virus isolation. We love you, Fellowship, and we'll talk soon. Thanks, Matt.